Well, if anybody needs to get some more food, needs to go get a drink, goes find dessert, that's totally fine. But I'm going to keep us going here and going to preach. So everybody, I'm in Matthew chapter 26. Where are your parents? Okay. I'm in Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass until I drink, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping, wherever their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Sleep sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, So, uh, it's interesting to be preaching today to everybody eating and getting food. Yesterday I did a funeral, uh, a graveside service at a little funeral, uh, at a little cemetery in New Wilmington. And it was at the edge of the cemetery right next to a sheep full of sheep, uh, a field full of sheep. I have never preached, but when I went to read The Lord is My Shepherd, just as I was about to, one of the sheep went real loud. Uh, it was a perfect setting. It was actually really beautiful. Um, so it's been a week of preaching and strange occurrences, and it's going to continue here. So let's begin a little bit with this context. Okay, We've been looking at the prayers of Jesus, and now we're to the prayers of Gethsemane. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at the prayers of Jesus from the cross, the things he said to God from the cross. But here we have him praying in the garden. It's been a busy week. They've gone through the whole thing of the upper room. It's been Passover week, and uh, they've done the Lord's Supper. And now Jesus leaves the upper room and goes to this place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane just means olive press. And so it was this garden in the Kidron Valley between the city of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives, where the olives would be brought down and would be pressed. And I think the place is important in this story for two reasons. One is I think Jesus is feeling the weight of what's going to happen in the morning. He knows the cross is coming. He knows he's been betrayed. And so this metaphor of the olive press, he feels pressed. He feels the weight of what's coming. Also, in this moment, you need to understand that if he just goes about a mile to the east. If he just walks up the hill and over the mountains, he's in the wilderness, he's gone. He can get away from this. And so he's in this sort of in-between. He's going to die in this city tomorrow, or he could run to the east and he can be out of there. It seems to be a place that he liked to pray at because Judas knows where he's going to be and uh, knows where to find him. 
And the text says that Jesus is feeling sorrowful and troubled. The Greek word for sorrow means greatly distraught, terrified, or even can refer, there's a, a sort of a metaphor in the Greek word of like a shuddering horror. You ever been so upset that your legs shake? Okay, that's the Greek word here. Jesus is so upset that he's, he's kind of shaken by it. The word troubled means to be in total anguish. So Jesus is troubled. He's, he's shaking. He says, it says he's sorrowful to the point of death, and he just throws himself on the ground feet first. Have you ever done this? Maybe not on the ground, but you ever just throw yourself on the bed? Okay? It's, you can almost, um, if you've had teenagers, they do this sometimes too, but I do it too. I just throw myself on the bed and just put my face in the pillow. That's what Jesus does in the garden. And Luke tells us that he sweats drops of blood. Um, and that's actually a, really, a real thing. It's called hemoditrosis. It's a rare medical condition where the blood vessels in your skin, burst. You, you don't actually bleed drops of blood, but it's like the blood vessels, vessels burst and mix with your sweat. And uh, it, the, the, the thing is, it makes your skin very irritated. It's almost like a burn for your skin. It would have made the cross even more painful for Jesus. He's in total anxiousness. What do we do with this prayer of Jesus? For how many of you, it's hard to envision, envision Jesus in this moment. In fact, it's kind of hard to picture Jesus anyway, isn't it? Um, I, I remember a few years ago, I was a youth pastor. And for Lent, I did a thing with my youth group where every week we watched clips of different movies about Jesus. Okay, so how many of you have seen the film Jesus? Just the, the old film called Jesus. Anybody seen King of Kings? Jesus of Nazareth. Have you seen that one? Anybody? Um, Godspell. Anybody? Godspell. Yeah, I knew we had some hippies in this room. I knew it. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay, we watched one called The Color of the Cross, in which Jesus is black and the cross is actually racially motivated. Very different portrayal of Jesus. Uh, we watched a part of uh, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of the Christ. But it was weird for the, the students and I watching all these portrayals of Jesus to get a little figure of, about how, what Jesus was really like. Some portrayals of Jesus, he looked like very divine, almost robotic. In fact, I saw an interview with the guy who played Jesus in Jesus of Nazareth. And, um, uh, and he said that actually he purposefully did that. He sort of made Jesus kind of blank, like kind of a blank canvas so people could read their own emotions into Jesus. But then in some other portrayals of Jesus, like if you've seen Godspell, Jesus is not like that at all. Jesus is a clown. Um, and so it, it's kind of hard to get the realities of Jesus. Like how human was he? How divine was he? And, and I think in our visions, we tend to think of Jesus more on the divine sort of robotic, right? How many of you can imagine Jesus weeping? Okay, imagine Jesus laughing. Do you picture Jesus laughing? Jesus singing. We know he did Passover. We know he came to Jerusalem. He, he would have been singing. We know Jesus did his first miracle at a, at a wedding. You know what Jesus, you know what you do at weddings? You dance. How many of you picture Jesus dancing? See, a lot of our portrayals of Jesus are like very serious, right? And very like, very like robotic sort of. But, but we need, this is a moment where we get the real human Nature of Jesus. If, if you want to see Jesus on portrayed on film really well, there's a new TV show out called The Chosen. Has anybody seen this yet? The Chosen. I love The Chosen. It's one of the best portrayals of Jesus. Jesus makes jokes. 
He laughs. He's really great with children in one of the episodes. And, uh, and yet he has these moments of holiness. It's a great portrayal. I, I highly recommend to you, you look up The Chosen. There's two seasons out right now. But so imagine Jesus in, in the middle of his humanity, in this, in this moment of, of sadness, of anxiety, where he just throws himself on the ground and he gets mad at his disciples because they're sleeping and not supporting him, right? Aren't these very human emotions? Okay, we've all felt this kind of anxiety. In fact, for a lot of us, it's been a couple years of real anxiety. I actually think, I actually find great comfort in the fact that Jesus doubted. That Jesus had some questions. That Jesus wasn't sure. Because remember, Jesus was without sin, right? Which means your doubt isn't necessarily sin. Everybody hear that? Your questions is not necessarily sin. Your, uh... Your anxiety is not necessarily sin. What's the sin part? The sin part comes in when at the end of it, can you say, not my will, but your will be done? Right? That's the key crux question of Christians. And it's, it's been coming up in my preaching recently. I've been really thinking about this. That for a lot of us, that's maybe the hardest thing, is to be able to say, I want this. But God, I'm willing to give up this if you want something else from me. That is one of the hardest things for us to do as people. Especially as we get older, right? And we can say, oh, I know what I want. Oh, I can afford what I want. For me to put aside what I want for what Christ wants, that is a really hard question. But see, that's the sin part. You can doubt what God wants. You can not like what God wants. The part that Jesus captures for us is you can be anxious, you can have questions, you can wish for another way. And I don't think Jesus here is, is, is really fully doubting. I think what Jesus is saying is, Lord, if, if the cross is the cup I've got to drink, then all right. But is there another way? Like in his moment of, of, of uh, really feeling the anxiety of this, is there any other way, Lord? Is there like another cup we could drink, you know? He's kind of negotiating with God. And yet, what does he keep coming back to in every prayer? But your will be done. But your will be done. Now, a big part of this text is also his relationship with his uh, followers, his disciples. And what are they doing? Sleeping. They're sleeping. Now, first of all, let's give them a little bit of grace here. (laughs) It's been a long week for them. They've been running around. They've been anxious about stuff. The Passover is this big celebration. There's a lot of preparation. And then we know from John that Jesus taught for a couple hours while he was there. They ate a great big meal. Okay, have some compassion here. Then they went out in the middle of the night, beautiful, cool garden. And Jesus was like, can you just sit here while I pray? Now, I don't know how many of you can pray about 11 o'clock at night after a big meal, after a long day. I'm not sure I could. Okay. I'm pretty sure I would be nodding off at this point. A little bit of grace maybe for them. But, but I think what Jesus is seeing is that they are kind of clueless about what's coming. And I think he in his, in his humanity in this moment is feeling all the weight of what's coming. Okay, For Jesus to go to the cross for us, he has to be fully human. He's got to feel all the emotions. And part of the emotion that he's feeling that we've probably all felt is being alone. Is being alone. Is having our friends not be there for us. Our friends let us down. Not only are they sleeping, but let's remember that one of them's off somewhere getting soldiers to betray him. Okay? 
One of the ones that he is closest to him, he says he brings Peter, James, and John closer. Peter's going to deny him. James and John are going to run away. They're not even going to stick around. And he sees what's coming, and he's disappointed by his friends. And isn't it interesting that he wants his friends nearby while he prays? I mean, this is maybe one of the most intimate, personal prayers that's ever been recorded in history. And yet, what does he want? He wants to pray this intimate, personal prayer with his friends nearby. Right? That prayer is always a corporate thing, even if it's your personal prayer life. And so I think it's a great, this is a great passage to identify with Jesus because I have been anxious and thrown myself on the floor. I've been upset with my friends and felt alone. Okay? I've shuddered and shaken with anxiety. I mean, can't we all identify with Jesus in some way? And isn't it amazing that Jesus can identify with you in that way when you're going through that stuff? And yet, what is his response? The same response that we should have. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And I do worry that sometimes when Jesus calls on us, when Jesus calls on the church, that maybe we've closed our eyes a little bit. Maybe our eyes are a little heavy. Maybe the church is a little sleepy at times. We need to be the people who say to God, not my will, but your will. And if you let me know what my, your will is, I'm going to stay awake and we're going to do this. So my prayer for you as you think about this is to, is to think of Jesus as identifying with those things that you've been through. It's all right when you have doubts. It's all right when you have questions, but you want to come back to not my will, but your will be done. And praise Jesus that he did. Because otherwise, he wouldn't have gone to the cross and we would not have the grace that we have so that when we do make mistakes, we can be forgiven. So may the call of my life be not my, not Jordan's will, but your will be done. And may that be the call of your life too. Not your will, but Christ's will be done. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you went to the cross. We thank you that you died for us on the cross. We thank you for your grace and for your love. Forgive us when we get caught up in our anxiety. Forgive us when we get caught up in our own pain. Forgive us when we get caught up in our own tiredness. May we follow Jesus' example and say in our lives, not my will, but your will be done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.